All right, our scripture text tonight is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's, let's read. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. For a period of time, it won't surprise you that, that, that for a little while there, I had a ringtone on my phone. Do you remember when ringtones were popular to have peculiar ringtones. It's not as popular anymore. But I had a song. I had a song I queued up. And the song I queued up as my ringtone on my phone was the old classic by ACDC, Highway to Hell. Now, when that would come on, of course, you know, as a minister of the gospel, I, I, that was, I know, people would be like, oh, why, do you, why do you have that on your... And then I would always come back with, well... It's where I do my best work, the highway to hell. But I usually, and I'll be frank with you, um, it was a way of getting into a gospel conversation. Because it, it did invariably, especially amongst non-believers, wanted to know why would you have such a song uh, as, your, as your ringtone. But one of the reasons I kind of like it is, is it goes even better. It gets better. It gets better. ACDC, one of my, I've always really enjoyed them, but... But in that particular song, they were vilified by a lot of Christian groups. A lot of people were very upset about it. Because they were saying, oh, look, look what they're doing. They're as if they were cheerleading along some highway to hell. They wanted you to get on with them. But in point of fact, that is not what that song is about. And in fact, it's interesting how Christians sometimes don't read metaphor very well. I don't know why we don't read metaphor very well, but a lot of times we don't understand, we don't read art very well too. And sometimes we don't understand what's being said around us, or we think we understand when we don't. And, and, and then they, when they were interviewed, listen to the interview with those guys about that song. You know what that song was about? It was about their touring in America. And it was a reflection of what they saw America was. It was their interpretation of this world, of this culture, of, this, of the impetus, of the inertia, of the reality of what they saw here. It wasn't like Australia. <laughs> it was a highway to hell. And when I heard that, I remember thinking, it, that song, as a part of my little ringtone, became a way to get into conversation. Because I wanted to talk to people about, I want to bring up these very subjects of life, death, eternity, everything. And it's all right there for me. In the song, Highway 
to hell. Now, of course, they're hopping on another image. You know, ACDC is using uh, metaphors that Jesus used. They're using similar metaphors to the scripture. It's one of them in our text. I don't know if you noticed it. It began and ended our text, and it's really what I wanted to talk about. Kind of we, I wanted to hover over this a little bit, and it's the image of your walk. Take a look in verse 2. In the, the, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And if you look at the last verse, verse 10, again, the, uh, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk. What occurred to me is you may not be aware of this. Some of you may not be aware of wherever you are with God that walk, this idea of a walk, and this is where you have the highway image and where Christ talks about a broad way of destruction, but a narrow gate, it's very hard to find. A very narrow path, it's harder to walk. And this idea of a walk is this living metaphor all throughout the scripture. It, I mean, it goes, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, in fact. And it's fallen out of, it's fallen out of some popular expression in Christian community. And what I'm saying is, when I was younger, I could still remember people, especially older people, would ask you, how is your walk? Nobody asked that question. I haven't heard that question in years. But that used to be a common question in the church. How's your walk? It was a short way of saying, how is your life in God? How's your practice? How is your relationship? It was a great way of capturing all these ideas. Now, what I want to do is, I just want to just jump into this walk idea a little bit and how Paul's using it here and, 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 and see what we can learn from it, how we can grow in it, and what can we learn about ourselves? What can we learn about how we should walk with God? What does it mean to walk with God? And oh, it's everywhere. Now, when we start talking about walk, ah, this reaches right back. You know, do you realize this metaphor reaches right back before humans were even sinful? We find out about it in an off way. It doesn't, the scriptures don't really describe how it was that God and Adam kibbutzed, how they got along, how they were friends. We don't really, it doesn't describe it in the first part of Genesis. In fact, we don't find that God walked with Adam until after the fall. Because it says in the cool of the evening when the Lord came and he would, do you remember, when he would walk with Adam. Something about that, just did you hear the echo there? I hear it, I hear it. It's, it's some burning, it's something you and I were made for. Something here, something about what we were once or could have been. What we were created in and for. To walk with God. And all of a sudden the word, now the word pops, it pops with, you don't walk with enemies, you walk with friends. You, it implies relationship. And, it's, and, and, it, and it goes on. Of course, the, the word is capitalized again. It's capitalized on as an image. Enoch is the next one it's described. And Enoch is described as he walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. Now, nobody knows what that means. <laughs> was he taken up into heaven? Maybe he just died. Because he's the only one in the list of the lineage of, after Adam of, uh, who doesn't live to an old age. Maybe he died. We don't know. Oh, there was a mystery that grew up about, about that, that maybe Enoch had a special relationship with God where God transcended him and he didn't die. We don't know. Possible. All we know is Enoch walked with God and 
he was one of the first people in the Bible described as making a choice to be with God. Huh. Now, the next point it comes up, it comes up, with, it comes up with Noah, but the next time it really pops is with Abraham. This is where God really moves in in a really beautiful way in this walk idea in Genesis 17. He says something to Abraham that <clears throat> it's very hard to capture in the, in the Greek. Could somebody give me a cup of water? <clears throat> I don't know why my throat is so dry. Thank you, honey. But this, he, he, he says, walk before me, he says to Abram. Walk before me and be blameless. You know that? That's what he tells him to do. Now, the reason I, want, I love that, I love that word, I love that language right there is the, Greek, the Hebrew, I'm sorry, is extremely in your face because it's saying he walked in his face. <laughs> it's, it's vivid, it's the language of, it's the currency of this prepositional expression in Hebrew is, is, is not like a to, of, or before like we use in English. It literally reads, walk in my face and be blameless. I smell it, don't you? I smell it. the promise. The promise. Intimacy is possible here, Abram. Come. It, it, walk. Actually is telling you that intimacy with God is possible. Be blameless. Now there's something, there's a content to this walk. There's a, there's a way it walks. A way and a manner and a path which it walks on, it seems. And we get introduced to this habitual concept. This idea of something done regularly. Something observed. Something watched. Something carefully taken care of. Um, and then the, uh, the, the last one I was thinking of, well, no, no, two more I'll think of. Leviticus 26, that'll be in your readings this week. So God, God takes this walk idea, and he, he takes the entire law, every moral sense of what it is to know him, and he says, this is what it means, walk before me, and I will walk with you, and if you don't walk with me, he says, I'll walk against you. And he starts using the walking image for how he will live in relationship, how, what his habits will be, as it were, right? What his walking will be, if we would walk with or against him. And he starts using this language, don't turn to the left, or left or to the right, don't stray. It kind of comes to a head, and it goes to, lasts throughout the whole Bible, but it comes to a head in Joshua 1 for me. Because then now it's walk. Be courageous. Be strong and courageous, Joshua, and walk before me. Now again, this is walking language. You know, don't turn the left to the right. Walk in triumph. It's describing everything from beginning to end, the invitation to spiritual life, to walking in its victory, to walking in, ha in this idea of habit and rule and observance and care. Walk before me and be blameless. Ugh, invitation to intimacy. The biblical story is covered with a walk. It's a total life vision metaphor. And I think three, I see three things that kind of capture this idea. Habitual action, purpose and destination, this idea of walking with an intention, living with an intention, and living in relationship. The concept of walk captures all of this to us together. And I think it's kind of a beautiful way. And so it becomes this great metaphor for every, you couldn't find anything? There's a cup in the back bathroom. I should have told you. Right back there. Sorry. It's right there. It's right there in the bathroom. She's right there. Sorry about that, honey. Now, what was I talking about? Why am I pointing all this out? Um, the first thing that happens here, and I think it happens in Ephesians 2 here, 
is Paul wants you to become, and what this language does, what this idea does, is it, it's, it's designed to make you self-aware. In other words, it, a lot of us have to become, situ, has anybody here have a problem, thank you, honey, have a problem like I do with situational awareness? Like completely being clueless when the situation demands it. Like not understanding when I should be paying attention. Anybody else have this problem? Thank you. Doug and me, I already knew you guys did. Uh, anybody surprise me at all? Anybody surprise me? Yeah. Situational awareness. And, and there's a situational and a personal kind of self-awareness that this very language invites us into. It invites us to, to in a sense, observe, our, observe ourselves. To watch ourselves and to, to, to reckon. And this kind of situational awareness, I think, is vital. We as believers, there's kind of a wake-up. It's a wake-up call in that idea. Walk. I, what is your walk, brother? Do you think like that? I, I notice that people are like this. Is, and I've made many of you uncomfortable with this before, where I ask you, so, how are you doing spiritually? Don't you hate that question? Now, so I know some of you just can't stand that question when I ask it. Because you're always kind of like, I don't know. How do I think about it? I don't know how to think about it. So, what am I doing right now? I'm trying to make you aware that you have a spiritual life that you walk in. That we, that we, have, a, we have temptations. These are all walk questions, right? They're all walk issues. It's asking you, what is your habit? What's the status of your relationship? What are your habits? How are they functioning? Where are you going? Where is, what are the intentions of your life? And are you living in the intentions that God has built you for and designed you for? And it just, it just you know what, why? It's just a wake-up call a little bit. Like, oh, wait, have you regarded, have you considered, have you paid attention to your walk? That was, did you notice the Proverbs 4 passage that we picked for confession? It's got walk language all over it. And the care and the importance of this, did you notice it is so vital in the heart of the, the, heart of, the, of, the, of, the of the teacher in Proverbs 4? Look at, look at the series of questions that are so vital. This is how important it is that you understand you're on a path with a companion on a destination. It's eternity or what? Look, look, at, look at the state. Look at the last. At the commands that pour out of that first section. Avoid the way of wickedness. Don't go on it. Pass on by. Turn. You hear this? This is, this is all the language of wake up. This is all the language of pay attention where you're going. Watch the signs. Be, be aware. You have a walk. All of you do. And the whole point here, obviously, it comes down to, are you walking with, with it in God? Or are you walking away? And those are the two kind of walks that are actually here in this text, in our text. Once walked and the walking in the good deeds which God has prepared for you. So now I've made us aware, I'm hoping we'll be a little more self-aware, is once you become kind of aware of this, you're able to perhaps start looking at yourself a little more objectively and say, okay, and start identifying reasons and causes and, and problems that you're regularly having. Let's take a look at what it describes here. Let's look at it negatively considered. Do you walk with God? Or are you walking the death walk of this world? Now, that's exactly what happens in verses 2 through 3. You noticed it. You, in, in the life which you once walked, and the word following is used twice. Following the course of the age, the age of this cosmos, the, 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 the course of this age. Following the prince of the power of the air. And this is the picture, I painted it for you before, of this zombie march, really. <laughs> 
led by the king of death, and he's marching, and behind him is all the world marching in death. And what happens to us, lest we not consider it, lest we're not aware of it, what are we doing? We're all keeping step. We're all keeping step with the world. And this is a great kind of chance for you, and by the word of God and by the presence of the Spirit. Remember, he prayed for the Spirit. Remember? That their eyes would be enlightened, that their eyes would be opened. They might understand these things. And this is a part of that understanding that he's hoping for. And be, that this awareness will come. That this, that this awareness of context. Awareness of context. I mean, it begins with, are you aware of what the... The, 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 the walk of the world is, of its following, following, and conforming? Or are you caught up in it without awareness? I remember this all, remember this all the time as a kid. Mom and Dad would set up on, uh, on the beach in, in, in Jersey, and we always were down in Cape May. It's the southernmost tip of New Jersey, most beautiful part of New Jersey. And the beach is really wonderful down there. And I don't know if it happens here, but we would play in the water all day long. Like as kids, we were there all day, whole day out in the sun. I never remember ever coming in or... Checking out a whole day. But, but I remember what happened. I hear this really, you know how you can barely hear the beach? Chris! You know, I'm like, boy, they're far away. Somebody's calling my name from far away. And you look up and you realize that the lifeguard station that you were playing in front of is now 100 yards down the beach because what happened in the course of the water? The course of its water's in and out and it's tides. What's happening? You just drift on down the beach. Just drift on. I don't even know it. I'm not aware of it. I'm not aware of it as a kid. I no aware of perspective. That is you and me. That's the church of this generation. That's us. <laughs> we are constantly. If you don't know that you're drifting right now, you're always drifting some direction. We always are. We're always drifting. And this call to a walk is a call to wake up and to stop drifting into the course of this world and the way it thinks. It creeps up on all of us. Um, a picture here was um, a picture. Uh, it's, well, let's go to our call to worship. Go to the very first, the very first page of your worship. I went to Psalm one. This is an ancient problem they were aware of. This following, following, being dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of this of this age, following the prince of the power of the air. Well, that's just like the following of Psalm one. Blessed is the man who doesn't want who doesn't walk in the way of sinners, who doesn't stand in the same, who doesn't sit. And there's this idea of, 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 uh, of momentum in the text. The whole idea is there's always a momentum that you can be, you're caught up in. And, and trust me, that is the momentum. With, if you're not thinking about it, that's the momentum you're on. If you're not aware and not entering into the blessing. <laughs> and the first blessing is to become aware. One of the things I was... I really wanted to go to Wheaton College when I got out of high school. Because one thing I had really, really learned being in a pagan high school was that I would match step with those people. If they were mocking, I'd get in there and mock. If they were partying, I'd get in there and party. If they because I want it to belong. It's so powerful sometimes. You don't even wear it. You just, you know, I, I had a, I remember, I, I remember every year when I, before I go back to school as a high school student, I would be resolved I was going to be different now. I was going to really take a stand for Christ and I was really going to take a, and then, you know, by, I don't know, late September, early October <laughs> of the school year, I'd already given up because I wanted to fit in. Because I wanted to, oh, the world's beckoned so powerfully. Become aware. 
It's an ancient problem. Enter into the blessing of Psalm 1 and the blessing that's here in Ephesians of getting out of that cycle getting away from it. A part of this is just starting to identify to what you see. What is the spirit of an age? Do you know what the spirit of an age? Every age has one. And I love the fact that the scriptures know that. There's a zeitgeist, it's sometimes called in German. That's the What's the spirit of the times? And what is the spirit of this age? I'll tell you, I, my interpretation of the spirit of this age, down, nailed down is this. With man, all things are possible. Oh, yeah. We can defeat death. Cancer, poverty, disease. We've got it. The robots will do it. Who knows? Who knows? Pick your, pick your solution, right? Pick whatever your version of the future is. But there is, a, an, there is a deep hopefulness all the time. I hear it around me all the time. You'll hear pessimism rolled in. We're not there yet. But the idea is we've been crawled out of the muck. We crawled out of the mud a billion years ago. We're on, we're on our way up, aren't we? We were, we were in trees just a millions of years ago, hopping around, eating bananas, and, and acting like monkeys. But now, but now, look at look how far we've come. Where are we going to go, guys? You see, you see the optimism built in there? Ultimately, man can do all things. That's why we have such blind confidence in tech, quantum computing, you name it. Give up the thinking of this age. Don't be carried along with it into false hopes because that's all it offers you. Break it out. Break out of this following mode that you're lying. You're, you're old. And by, oh, by, by, by God's grace, give, give up any FOMO. I, there's one other thing the world does is that it, it, it introduces us to the lie that we're going to miss out on something. That was what I always struggled with as a kid. I couldn't believe that all these guys get to do drugs and have sex with their girlfriends and cheat on tests and take money. and They, they could live however they wanted. And I had to be a good boy. And I had to not do these things. And I couldn't go to the parties. And I couldn't go to the parties because I knew I would just do what they were doing. I, that's why I didn't go. And that made me angry that I couldn't go. And it made me angry that, I, that they were having all the fun. <laughs> Anybody hear the lie in that? Anybody hear the, the mischief? Anybody hear, hear how that is... I have this picture of Satan with little detour signs on the path of God's path going, this road doesn't go anywhere. The, 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 the bridge is out ahead. Get off this road. Get off this road. Come to the party over here. No, there's a detour here. This road doesn't go anywhere. You don't want to go down here. I can hear it. And, I can, and, and you and I, we're suckers for this kind of stuff sometimes. We're just going to go, oh, well, that looks kind of shiny. and That looks kind of pretty. I'm going to do that. And before you know it, our walk is compromised. We're walking and following the prince of the power of the air. We're going to take more look at this and unpack these things, but you can almost see here, if you're following the course of this age, following the prince of the power of the air, it's almost like Paul is saying, the world could say, the devil made me do it. And you know what? He's not far off. The only problem is the devil may have made you do it, but you want it to anyway. You see? You wanted what the devil was offering. He may have made you do it, but you are only too happy to oblige him and help him along. You see? Let's give up the lies of FOMO, the detours on the road. They're all lies. Well, what about positively? What, about, what does walk have to tell us positively? <laughs> oh, did I tell you? Didn't I tell you? 
Adam walked with God. Walk before me and be blameless, he said to, he said to, he said to Abraham. I speak to Moses. He said, you know how I talk to Moses? He said, you know how I talk to Moses? I talk to Moses like two guys taking a walk. <laughs> I talk to him face to face. I talk to him that way. Now, these, these things by, by God, this, this promise of a walk, with him, all these promises, walk before my face, walk in my face and be blameless. What were they all whispers of? What was, what, was, what was God playing his hand all along? What was he saying to you and to me? What was he saying to humanity? You want to go for a walk? Hey, you want to go for a walk with me? I'll walk with you. No, no, no. I, I, will, I will be born and have feet. <laughs> I will become a human. Just. Just so I can walk in your shoes. Better than that. Just so you can walk into mine. Because Christ put on these human feet and this human body and these human hands and this human brain so he could go to a cross and die as one of us and die for us. And because he's a God man, death had no hold. Couldn't hold on to him for a second. Not really. He was the God man. But because he was a man, he could... He could die, and it could, it could mean something to me. It could have something for me. And because he's God, that, that meaning could last a thousand, a million, a billion years into space and time. Praise him. Because he's the God-man, I get all the benefits, and he enters into what? My walking shoes. You see, God was always sensitive, I think, ultimately, to the accusation that is, you don't know me unless you've walked a mile in my shoes. We could always at the end say to God, you don't know what it's like to be us. You in the end can't judge us. But that's off the table, isn't it? Because <laughs> what did God say? In order to love you, save you, and rescue you, I will walk more than a mile. I'll walk all the way to the cross, and I will walk through death, and I will walk out of a tomb, and I will walk into heaven. Because I'm the, oh, what well, praise him! <laughs> And now in it, that's the walk we're on. That's the, that's the walk we're on now. Praise him. <laughs> I, in the very metaphor of walk is the promise of the incarnation. I think that's pretty awesome. But it gets better than that. Because then, those idea of walk, Paul uses it here, we're to walk in these things that he prepared for beforehand. This idea of a walk then becomes everything. Galatians 5, it's in your list, it's in your reading list this week. Galatians 5, well I say to you, walk by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. It's all, we're invited here. Look, look in, verse, in verse 4, verse 5. But God, rich in mercy, walk into his mercy. Walk into his riches. But grace, by grace you have been saved. He says it twice, by grace you have been saved. So step up into grace. And then he says, seated in the heavenlies. I would say, step, step, wait, I said, step up, step forward, step into. I had another image, didn't I? What was I going to use the last step? Step out. <laughs> step out by faith. There's this wonderful picture that this, these are the deliverables of the Spirit, right? He's, he's inviting you as, as part of this, this dance with him. Step into it. Step into the grace you have. Step into it. Step out into the faith you've been given. Step. This is the walk of the Christian. And it's like a one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. It's beautiful. It's a picture of a dance, a, a walk of joy, a walk of celebration, right? Isn't that the new walk of the believer? I think it is. 
And this just gets better and better now. This, 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 this tumult of, of loving grace, undeserved favor that pops out of this text is all supposed to be sitting there, supposed to be there going, huh, us, why, huh, me, how? I was walking in darkness, I was walking away. <laughs> and now I've just been invited to walk with and in him. Intimacy, habit. All right, let's, take, let's just pop these open and see what we can apply this week. Apply to our lives. What difference is this going to make for our lives this week? Because we've been promised something at the end of this text. To walk into something beautiful that God is doing. That, guy, that, work, that, that word work, workmanship there, that's the word poem. That's that word right there. It's the word poem. Now, it didn't mean poem back then. It meant something made. But that's where you get the word poem. Something created, crafted, beautifully. You are his craftsmanship. His wonderful craftsmanship. Created for Good deeds that you may walk in them. All right, okay, how can this help us? Well, let's, let's begin. The scriptures are full of this, and they have all sorts of things. Now, the need for focus on our goal. What have I told you again and again? Whatever you focus on, that shapes you. It changes you. It transforms you. And the idea of a walk, having a destination, a focus, and a that's Jesus. Jesus is the goal. We are to walk, not just turn to the left or the right, not to be distracted, but to be focused. That left and right language doesn't have to do politics. They didn't have a left and a right in ancient Palestine. But it might as well be politics. It could be anything that would distract you in one way or another. And there's a picture here of what it means to worship and truly walk with God. It means to have your eyes fixed on him. That's why that, that's why that, that's why that ancient teacher in Proverbs was so eager. Don't go that way. Don't avoid it. Pass on by. No, no don't go there. Go this way. <laughs> go, towards, go this way. Walk towards wisdom. Walk towards knowing God. Don't try the left or the right. There's a whole picture here and this idea of, uh, we're, you know, we're, we need to fight the inertia of our corruption. Remember? Because the inertia of our corruption is what, why we were walking and following and following, Right? That inertia, fighting that inertia, is, is the need for focus on our goal, to focus on Jesus. This is the same thing that's being said to Joshua, to walk in triumph. How shall we walk in triumph? Well, remember, a walk always implies habit. Have you picked up the habits of grace? I'm just the ordinary habits of grace. You know, the reasons I always encourage you so much about worship is that this is a habit of grace. <laughs> This is one of those little habits you pick up and you're constantly doing it over and over again because walking's a habit. That's, this is a habit. This is a habit. <laughs> We're to make coming together and praying together and confessing our sins habits. <laughs> These are the things we do regularly. They're a regular feature of our lives is the walk. And, and when we have those habits, we're able to focus not to the left or to the right. right? It's one of those things that keeps us, keeps us on the straight and narrow. Right? That's the old, old expression would be. And this idea of, of have you made grace and worship the word, the prayer and sacrament of your life? Have you made it a daily? Have you made it a weekly? Have you made it your habit? For that is what walk implies. So you have the need for focus, the presence of habit. What about repentance? I thought this third thing, I was like, you know, you know what the word repent? Repent! I love saying that. Repent! Doesn't this kind of scare you when I say it? Anybody? Does anybody get scared at all? You know what it is in Hebrew? Turn around! <laughs> I love that. It's so visceral, right? Repent, you might be like, I'm not sure what he wants me to do. What is he want? 
turn around. Well, you know what that means. <laughs> so I love the fact that the word repent in Hebrew means turn around because it makes sense of a walk. Do you see what I mean? Like you're walking this way. What, how, hard, how hard is it? Sometimes we think I've been on this path for so long. What will I do? Some people have said it to me. I've been on this path like your friend. Uh, that, was that, that was, uh, who's that person? Jeremiah? Say they've lived a long life like this. I, can I turn around? Can I, can, I, can I be different? But get this. The metaphor of a walk is very, very helpful. Because anywhere on the walk, let's say I'm, that's, that's hell, destination, prince of the power of the air, course of this world. We're all going on a merry way, and somehow I started walking it too, because we've all done this. And you know what repentance is? You think, oh, I've got to make my way. No, this is repentance. Jesus, that's it. That was it right there. <laughs> just turning around right where you are i love that i love that because that's telling you jesus's mercies are close i always picture that in the hound of heaven that wherever you are walking away from god jesus is always right behind you just waiting for you to turn around he's not turning around yet it's like, like that's the present that's the that's the overture of god being described here that's that ever loving living patience of our father slow to anger rich and abounding in mercy praise him he chases us he chases us on our walk. So when you hear repent, pivot. Pivot right where you are because a walk is telling you all you need to do is be facing God and you'll be walking the right way. Praise him. I love that. It's so easy. It's so practical. It's so immediate. How about this? Many of you say you're frustrated with sin, besetting sin, things that you fail, lack of tongue control, lack of ability to control what your mind thinks of, lack of, you know, whatever it may be. I love this, though. We call... When we sin, we call it stumbling. But it makes perfect sense if your life's a walk. Because now I know, I'm no longer in the dark about what makes me stumble. You see, now I understand that the reason I'm sinning is because I, I'm no longer on my walk. You see, it makes sense of what sin is. Sin is the interrupted walk. And a lot of times, a lot of us... When we, we, have, we, have, we have laid our walk aside, we've laid its habits, we've laid the habits of grace aside, we've laid the routine or the intimacy promised or the focus on Jesus that, that we're promised or our destination, and we're kind of, and what we forget is that it, once we understand that sin is a part of what, what sin really is, is us getting off of our walk. That's that stumbling picture. I'm no longer walking. Once I start walking again, I'm in life. It gets away from the whole idea I have to do something good to make up for what I did bad. That's not a part of the question. You're on a walk. You just stumbled. That's the problem. Or, all right, my eyes fixed on Jesus facing. Oh, and just start walking. It helps you understand your sin as an interruption of your intimacy with God. Of course it is. Don't you know that a lot of your sin, that's exactly what it was. It was created and precipitated by your lack of intimacy with your heavenly father that you're being promised to. In the walk. You know, I was thinking of finally that situational awareness idea. Come to 1 Corinthians 10. The walk, your walk is a great picture. You know what God says? Whenever you're tempted by a sin, by being critical or, or a, a, word of, a word of hatred or anger or lustful thought or, or a covetous desire for. Okay, we all struggle with these things in, here and there, now and again. And some of us more frequently than some of us daily. And then um, situational awareness. God has said, whenever you're being tempted, I will give you a way out. Look for it. Look for it. 
You can only be looking for it if your life is a living walk. Right? And that makes sense in that way. Like that whole idea of looking for the way out makes sense of somebody in a living relationship with God and walking with him. And the way out is, is, is one of the de- there is a detour in his love around these, around these things that we desire. And, and the whole picture of a walk is it, it's, it's just inviting us to, to walk away and to walk into him and walk into his grace again and again. I just, I just kind of captured some of those, those uh, meaning for you. I, I, hope, I hope that some of this encourages you. Because this meta, this meta story, you know, this, you know, the whole idea of a highway to hell and the narrow gate. And you know what I am? I guess I'm one of those crossing guards in some ways. That's what I am as a pastor. I'm a, cross, I'm a glorified crossing guard. Trying to tell you to stop. Go this way. I don't have much stature really in the kingdom. I'm just a, I'm a crossing guard telling you how to go, when to stop and when to go, and how to go and where to go. And, and I feel like as a pastor, that's what preaching is. You know, it's like me, let me get back to my little, I should get a little outfit. I should get a little stripey, a little reflective stripe and everything, little signs. Because I, that's all, I'm a glorified crossing guard. All the glory belongs to Jesus. Because he's beckoning us in our walk into eternal life, into his presence, into his joy. Let's pray. Now, Father, give us eyes to see the walk we're on. (laughs) We, you know, we did once walk. We did. We remember. Some of us remember more clearly than others how we used to walk in the in darkness, walked in death, following the course of this age, following the prince of the power of the air. I want to, we want to stop right here, right here in our worship, Father, to say thank you for interrupting that walk. Thank you for interrupting. Thank you for coming in and distracting and, and coming in with your, your wonderful words of mercy. The wonderful words, but God is rich in mercy. Those are our words. We thank you for them. Father, if any of us have just been kind of sloppy in our walk and we, we can tell we've been walking in places that we used to walk and we shouldn't be, would you help us to, to wake up, kind of, to turn around and fix our eyes on you? Would you help some of us who have been very inconsistent and inconstant in our devotion to one another, devotion to Bible study and prayer for one another and worship here? And, and we're so casual about it sometimes, Father. Would you forgive us for that? And, and what we really want to, Father, just direct us. Keep us on your path. Well, show us the way. Protect us and lead us. Um, don't let us go too far. You constantly corral us back to your path. Father, we want to walk with you. I want just hold our hands and guide us in the paths of life and suffering and fear that, that we're afraid of in this world. And, and guide us through these places and, and help us to, to, to suss out and figure out when, 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 when the world's leading us again. When we've somehow fallen in back into the broad highway of destruction, it seems. And we're, we're, we're taking our cues from the evil one again. Father, it's so, it can be hard in this generation. It can, make us alert. Wake us up. And, and help us to guard our hearts the way you teach us. And would you lead us? Lead us in the way of everlasting. <laughs> what is it? What is it? What is it? What did David say to you? Lead us by paths of, uh, by, uh, by streams of water, living water, paths of righteousness. 
to cover us and watch over us. Lead us on that path all the way home, Father. For we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.